Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek podcast number 235. And joining to me virtually and otherwise are writer, two-wheeling reporter, Brian Robinson. Greetings from the uh, woods of Carroll County. Yeah, you look great there. Over the Edge reporter, Greg Carlos. Hello, hello. And our FYI reporter, Stephanie Hart. Hey, everyone. Nice to be back. And we all say that. We'd love to. We, we really enjoy doing these podcasts and getting a chance to talk. Uh, come on. Come on, Brian. Just quit shaking your head. You get a chance to talk to you a little more personally than we can through uh, the uh, TV screen normally. Anyway, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got cars we've tested. Uh, Stephanie's going to tell us a little bit about some of her upcoming FYI segments. We have a lightning round. We even have a viewer question. And I don't know if anybody's got a rant or rave, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. Okay, uh, announced uh, just this week that we're doing this uh, pod, this uh, video podcast. The 2021 Dodge Durango SRT Hellcat, 6.2 liter V8, 710 horsepower, zero to 60 like a motorcycle in 3.5 seconds. All right, folks, did we need this too much, unexpected? How do you feel about it? Uh, I mean, define need, because there's a lot of things <laughs> I think I need. Need for speed. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I really like the... Uh, the 392 Durango we drove, what was it, two years ago maybe? Yeah. Uh, that thing was awesome. So throw in more horsepower. I mean, I'm all for it. Uh, looks like it's going to be a limited time. Only one year they're going to make it. I don't think they're calling it a necessarily a limited edition, but it's because they it won't pass emission standards for 2022 model year as far as I know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I mean, Dodge loves shoving big engines into things, and I love that about them. Um, what I love about it is, uh, if you remember, like, when high-horsepower trucks became a thing, like Lightning and Chevy had the SS454, S and the Dodge even put the Viper engine in the Ram, SRT10 mm -hmm. Ram. All those were all rear-wheel drive only, and you couldn't tow anything with them. This, this thing, Dodge made a point of still all-wheel drive, just like the Trackhawk. And you can tow 8,700 pounds with it, which is more than a Chevy Tahoe. So I love the fact that they give you all that power and it's still a real deal utility. I think the bigger, uh, the bigger question is, so they read, it's almost like a mid-cycle for 21 across the Durango yeah. board, not just this. So they redid the exterior a little bit. The interior is way different. It's got a wraparound dash, almost straight out of the Challenger. Um, and I know there's an all new, Grand Cherokee coming in 22. So I'm not sure why they would have went to such an extensive redesign. If, I don't know, is it going to stay on the Grand Cherokee chassis in 22 or is it going to go over to the Ram chassis? That's, that, that's, that's one rumor that it's going to go over to the Ram chassis. But, you know, to fill up the plant, they may keep it the way it is. After all, this thing, Durango, is supposed to go away. You know, because of lack of popularity and look what they've done with it. They've made it kind of a performance icon where they're, you know, really the, it's about the only thing, what else does the Dodge brand have anymore? Is that it? Except, except for the cars, obviously. Charger and Challenger and Durango. And they've, that's, still that's their got the, um, they've still got the uh, crossover. Journey's going away. Grand Caravan's going yeah. away. Yeah. So, you know, I, 
I, I give them kudos. I think they base. I think it's going to be around a while. It might be a limited production, but um, they. I'm. I marvel at what they've been able to do since everybody was convinced this was the dog and it wasn't going to play anymore. Uh, so we'll see. I think it's even more spectacular how they can make it's such a smooth powertrain because yeah. it's totally docile on the highway. Like if you really don't want to get into it. I mean, it's totally fine with the eight-speed transmission. It's super smooth, and then you get into it, and it's like, wow, this is awesome. But, yeah, I mean, and, and the whole powertrain has really been around for a few years now, so they've worked out a lot of the kinks, if there were any to begin with. Hey, Stephanie, I'm curious. Um, you live in the city. Do many people have large SUVs there as, you know, in comparison to the more rural areas? where parking is a premium. Do you see a lot of them in your building or anything? Not really, honestly, no, not really. But I know there is a huge market for this vehicle and a lot of people who can't wait to drive something like this. So I think it will be pretty successful. Yeah, I always, you know, we always talk about all these, uh, the SUVs kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you go into some of the, the narrow streets downtown with and low level, you know, your parking garages where you can barely oh, yeah. end up in. And you're thinking, I don't, you know, it's sort of like they don't meet up. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't use that here. Yeah. I, I don't know many people who could. Speaking of big vehicles, uh, one that we just recently had in, and I put a lot of miles on, 2020 Chevrolet Silverado 1500 diesel. Um, pretty impressive from my uh, end, 277 horsepower, but really 460 pound-feet of torque. Can tow uh, 9,300 pounds. I managed mostly on highway driving about 27 miles per gallon on diesel. Uh, it, you know, we, we, we've had a lot of talk about the different full-size pickup trucks as they come, and we've got a new F-150 coming. And of course, for a long time, Chevrolet had the uh, best ride, but arguably uh, Dodge uh, Ram has it now with the coil spring rear suspension. And a lot's been made about the big tablet in the uh, Ram. And of course, they've sold more than Chevy up until recently. But I got to tell you, this thing on some very ruddy dirt roads was absolutely quiet. There was no frame shake. I mean, unless the road was washboard, you really didn't even realize it was a, an old style rear, solid rear axle pickup truck. It's amazingly impressive. And when you figure this is what that, this particular uh, segment has got now, they're amazing in what they, the comforts they provide, how quiet they are, soundproofing, ride quality, acceleration. This was the quietest uh, diesel that I think I've ever driven. Uh, I couldn't get over how quiet it was. It's kind of a shame diesels are falling out of favor because this is one impressive vehicle. And uh, my take on it was, uh, you know, if this is the also ran in the business, it's an amazing uh, market uh, segment of vehicles. Yeah, it's smooth. Um, GM just has a way with making quiet interiors. Their sound mm. deadening is top notch and not just talking about engine noise coming in. But, uh, oh, is it for me? No. Well, that's me, John. Don't worry. I was just calling to tell you. You're up next. Yeah, it's um, from sound deadening, from road noise, wind noise, engine noise. It's it's all good with GM. Excuse me. 
Yeah, sure thing. <laughs> He's really taking that. Yeah, well, no, hey, you got to do it. So, uh, I mean, he hit on with the uh, 27 miles a gallon. I mean, that's incredible for full-size pickup truck, but that's really what it's all about because it doesn't even tow as much as the 6.2 liter. Yeah. But I, I still have my issues with the Silverado interior. I'm still not a fan. Um, but the looks exterior-wise are growing on me. Uh, I just, yeah, I don't know with – I still like the Ram more. Do you not like – You know what? Go ahead. I was going to say, do you not like the functionality of the Silverado, or is it more of like a style standpoint? Yeah, it's more just a style. It still yeah. looks like it's from the 90s. Everything's blocky. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree. I think it, it works fine, but it's just not good to look at. It, you know, that's, we've said that numerous times, and it's true. However, I will say that it's got like an 8-inch screen, but by these days that's considered small. But it was surprisingly adequate, uh, more than adequate for uh, a long journey. And I did like having all the controls in a familiar spot, even though they may look a little arcane. You didn't take any time at all to get used to this vehicle. It was like, okay, it's familiar, it all works. The only thing that threw me was finding the four-wheel drive controls. You know, we're used to seeing something that's kind of um, hefty stick out at you. And it's really just a small button pad up on the very top left of the dash. And not particularly, you know, obviously marked either. They've got a nice readout in the gauge cluster. But so with the exception of that, you felt right at home the minute you got in it. So I guess there is something to say for uh, not necessarily being all brand new looking in the inside. Yeah, and I will say they do uh, more than anybody else. They think of a lot of little things that uh, just to make your truck life better. All the tie downs are like exactly oh, where you would want them to be. Fabulous. In the, uh, in the, the little steps and the bump, you know, everything, just yeah. a lot of little things that, you know, you don't expect but are nice when you see them there. Uh, while I was on the phone with the telemarketer, you, did you mention anything about about uh, pricing, about how much the diesel cost? We, did, we didn't say anything about that, but last I looked it up, I think it's about a $2,500 uh, increase. So I think it, this, the $1,500 with the Duramax is about like fifty-three grand to start off, and then it, goes, uh, it can go way up from there. It, it's, I have to say, if I was going to get it, I'd probably consider it. I mean, right now, diesel's pretty cheap, so it's not, it's not such a big deal, but uh, who knows what it'll be a year from now. But interesting vehicle, um, you know, and, and, a, and a good execution, it seems to be. Okay, Stephanie, actually, uh, you've been sitting there patiently, and now it's, uh, it's your turn because we've, you've got, you have been busy, busy this summer getting your plans together for your FYI segments for our 40th anniversary season, which starts the second weekend in September. You want to give us a little preview sure. of what you've got in store for everybody? Yeah, I have been pretty busy. So um, we're really excited about our Benji's uh, drive-in piece. That's going right, to that, explain who, what Benji's is for people that aren't from Maryland. I mean, it's an icon here. Yeah, Benji's is an old school drive-in. It's been around uh, seemingly forever. Yeah. And it's, you know, real nostalgic and you can drive uh, right in and see movies. The movies are from like the 80s, 90s, early 2000s. Great to bring the whole family. You know, you have the summer air, the smell of popcorn, brings back a lot of memories. And this is great for families 
to take their, you know, their families uh, because social distancing is already built in. Now, now Benji's is riding the wave of, of outdoor movie theaters being rediscovered, right? There's something else going on around the country. Yeah, I mean, nationwide, uh, people are heading to these drive-ins more than ever because they can't go to traditional movie theaters right now in most cities. So there are only about 300 drive-ins left um, across the country. So, um, you know, they've been seeing a surge. Uh, they've been becoming popular again. And we're also seeing a lot of these uh, pop-up drive-in movie theaters out in parking lots at um, movie theaters around the country, like Horizon Cinemas in Falston, Maryland. So where, you know, no one can go inside and see the movie. So the movie is now being shown on a big screen in the parking lot. So people are enjoying driving up to that and seeing current movies in that sort of style. Is it, was it Walmart and some of the, re some restaurants are getting in on that too? Yeah, I think uh, everyone who can is trying to get in on it because it's so popular. And, you know, it's great for social distancing. You can just stay in your car with your family and you don't really have to interact with anyone. Now, Benji's does have a snack bar that's uh, pretty busy. <laughs> very, very important. A lot of good food. I had some cotton candy while I was there. I had some popcorn. I think I had a pretzel, uh, soda. But, you know, you, you walk in, you wear a mask and it seemed pretty safe to me. Um, but people seem really happy that they could finally get out of the house and enjoy uh, some sense of normalcy since it's been, you know, really uncomfortable for everyone just staying at home, not being able to go or do anywhere, do anything. You two guys have any um, drive-in movie stories you can talk about? Uh, none that I can talk about. <laughs> I've never been to a drive-in. I was going to ask you if you'd ever been to one. No. No, I haven't been to Benji's, but when we uh, we go up to Michigan every year uh, with some family up there, and there's a huge one up there. We go every year when we go up there, and, uh, yeah, it's just a big outdoor party. You know, when I was growing up, there were thousands of drive-ins. I think at one time in the 50s, there was like 5,000 of them coast to coast, and we had – at least three of them in my smallish North Carolina town. One was called a Starlight. And, uh, you know, you, it was a great place to go in the uh, summertime, whether you had a convertible or not. And more, than, more than once you thought you were going to crack the window by putting the speaker on. Of course, now I guess it's all done by, through your radio, I assume. I haven't been to, to one myself in a long time. Yeah, all through the radio. Yeah. You just tune to a certain station and the movie comes on is. through that. If you hate the movie, yeah. you can just pull up another one on your phone. And they're color now, John. Yeah, yeah thanks <laughs> a lot. I do remember seeing some black and white. What else do you got up your sleeve? Um, also, I visited uh, an artist in Ellicott City, Maryland, who paints on vehicles. He specializes in uh, painting on semi-trucks. And I mean, the work is just fantastic. Beautiful beach scenes on these um, huge trucks. Um, he does lettering, he does a little bit of everything, he even played the guitar for us. He's quite a character, really creative. And John, apparently you interviewed him about 30 years ago too, when he just I opened know. up his shop. And, and I'm absolutely embarrassed that I don't remember it, but you know, it's know. the little gray cells have, have vacated me, but you know. Hopefully he's not watching. Yeah, yeah, well, he's a very, I'm sure he's very gracious because he's led us into his 
the studio twice. But the interesting part is, uh, and a lot of folks, I'm sure you, you may have heard us talk before, we start our 40th season uh, this fall, which is an amazing uh, event. But a lot of what we're going to be doing is either revisiting, you know, folks that we have interviewed before or, or showing you clips from them. And, uh, you know, we're even uh, trying to bring back some of our old segments like Car of the Week. So, anywho, I thought it was, uh, it was great that, because uh, we had actually been to Benji's before, too. Yes. A long, mm -hmm. long time ago, back in the early days. Because right now, because of the pandemic, we're staying a little closer to home than we normally do for, for Motor Week. So, the, mm -hmm. a lot of good stories look like that. Okay, with that, that sounds terrific. Can't wait to see the finished product. And thanks to everybody out there that and Benji's and, and uh, the rest of our friends that make these segments possible. Lightning round. Uh, we have 30 seconds to take a talk about a trending automotive topic and the week uh, that we are doing uh, this uh, podcast. Ford Motor Company made some news. Number one, they made a profit for the last quarter, which wasn't expected. But Despite recent major product launches, the Mustang Mach-E and uh, the new Bronco coming up, Ford CEO Jim Hackett is unexpectedly retiring, effective the 1st of October. Uh, COO Jim Farley will be taking his job. What do you think of the timing? What does this mean for Ford? Why did it happen? What do you think? The uh, the timing is a little bit interesting just because they have had such a, a pretty major year from a launch standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think a lot of people saw it coming, at least me. I know there's a lot more industry insiders who are more in tune with this stuff, but I didn't see anything like this happening. But I know Jim Farley is a is a huge car guy. Hackett wasn't necessarily a car guy. He, he came from a different industry. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I... Like having never met Jim, I never had a conversation with him. Um, you know, I've I've read things that he just wasn't fitting in at Ford. Um, but I know Jim has been with Ford for a while, yeah. and I know he did some good things over at Toyota. Um, he seems like a very, again, like I said, he's a very big car guy. So I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah, I think this was just a matter of time before this happened. I think they've been grooming him for that for a while, and like Greg Kennedy, that I mean, Jim's. He's a great guy, car guy. I've known him back since the Toyota days. Um, this is where I make old jokes about myself because, uh, yeah, I remember him back uh, work, starting a Toyota. And, uh, yeah, just a great guy to hang out with, very knowledgeable. Very. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, Ford, uh, you, I don't always understand the decisions that they make, but they seem to make very good ones. I mean, they're the only ones that didn't have to take a bailout because they saw that whole thing coming and reorganized before the crash happened. Uh, they consistently have the F-150 up top. So, I mean, they have, I've met literally they have futurists at Ford. That That's their whole mm. job is to predict the future, and then they make decisions based on what these people come up with. Most good at you're right. Most experts, I, I agree on Farley. He's a, a really terrific guy. I hope he does well. But they've had four CEOs since the Great Recession, and it's usually always been because the stock price and the investors were not impressed. And, and that, by extension, sort of means the Ford family. Stock price is down like 40% since uh, Farley, uh, since Hackett took over. So I think that's what doomed him. Remember, he was the guy that stepped up and said, we're getting rid of all of our, our passenger car. cars. Yeah. 
and everybody thought he was crazy, and now everybody else is doing the same thing. Yeah, so, but it'd be, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they come back on that because, yeah, yeah I mean, if everyone else is getting out, you know, maybe we don't want to stay in the pool. So we'll see. Well, you know, Honda and uh, Toyota have made it very clear that, and even Hyundai, that, you know, they see a car market there. And, you know, the last midsize American car looks like it's going to be the Malibu, and they're not sure that's going to get redone. So, uh, unfortunately, I think Hackett was uh, just didn't just, – they didn't give him long enough to see his vision through. But from our standpoint, product-wise – like Brian said, it certainly seems to be working, but I guess the uh, stock price is not impressed. They said it went up a little bit when his, his retirement was announced. Yeah, the Bronco is going to be huge. Everyone knows that. I'm, I'm skeptical on the Mach-E Mustang. Um, you know, the Mustang people are never going to accept that. I don't know that the EV people will accept it either. So I'm a little skeptical on that one, but uh, the Bronco is going to be huge. He's made a lot of investments into the uh, autonomous market as well. Okay, anyone else have anything else for that? Let's move on um, to our- I, I just ahead. know, oh. from, from what I read, I know Jim wants to create a really unique uh, business model plan, bridging tech and traditional products. So it's gonna be really interesting to see what comes out of this. What do you, do you remember any more of the details of what he had in mind? No, it was sort of a blanket statement, but you know, well, you never know. It's you know, it, he had mentioned in uh, the article I read online that he sees uh, the pandemic as an opportunity for Ford. Mm. So it will be interesting to sort of wait and see what happens over the next few months. I think you have to. I think you're absolutely right because I think of all of the car comp domestic car companies, and even most of the imports. He seemed to be looking towards the future, like Brian said, futurist more than anybody else and of course that raises a lot of skepticism um i personally was surprised i guess to some degree but then when you look at what's going on on wall street probably not hmm. okay let's move on to our viewer question it's from donald how does emergency stopping technology handle slippery conditions i assume he's talking about skid control and abs brakes I, would have, I thought I took it as the uh, like emergency automatic braking. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did too. Yeah. Well, there you go. But Which, I've, I've, you know, driven in the rain with all of that automatic emergency braking and it worked just great. I didn't know any, I noticed anything, you know, in, in didn't, didn't shake you up or mm -mm. unnerve you or anything. No. Yeah. I would just say what the, uh, it would depend on what the slippery conditions are coming from. If it's just wet roads, I think they work pretty much as uh, the same they would on normal roads, other than maybe stopping distance would be a teeny bit longer. Uh, I think the bigger issue is if he's talking about like slushy type conditions True. or snow, yes. all those things Split are yeah. yeah, all those things are camera based. So you get some snow or some slush covering up those cameras and they're pretty much non-functioning at that point. So. I mean, it's basically the existing ABS and anti-skid technology married together with, you know, a proximity system. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, the point that you just made, I've experienced um, that, you know, just dirt, just a dirty camera or a dirty front radar sensor can really kind of throw this off to the extent that what I've noticed in the last couple of vehicles we've had in, 
for testing is that the systems seem to be, they seem to be turning up the sensitivity to actually, you know, if you get near hitting either another vehicle or, or a pedestrian, they, excuse me, seem, the warnings seem to be going off quicker. But, uh, yeah, so Donald, I don't think you have to worry. Most of the time it happens very quickly and, and you're in a short distance. However, I will say that the one thing that nobody really likes to talk about is the limits of these systems. And the limits really depend on your speed. Uh, the slower you go are going when they activate, the better off you are at having an emergency stop that is complete and without any other incident. So uh, they, they will and, still slow you down though at higher speeds. So absolutely. They, they do still help. Oh, absolutely. But there's usually a limit, which they don't like to publish. And it's usually like, it'll drop your speed 45 miles per hour, that sort of thing. Uh, so they're not, you know, you can't go 70 and then expect it to bring you to a halt. But um, anyway, it's marvelous technology. Any rant and raves from anyone? Anything uh, stuck in your craw this week or something you want to congratulate people on? I, nothing We're I want to crickets. congratulate on. <laughs> I, I think I'm just, you know, having to uh, kind of schlep my kid around a lot more now. I'm mm -hmm. really over subcompact crossovers because it's <laughs> impossible to... Like just give me a midsize or even a compact sedan, honestly, because it's harder to get a child seat. And, you know, so like I, I wanted to go golfing uh, last weekend and I had my child seat in there. I had to put down the um, rear passenger seat behind me so that I could get my clubs in. I had to move my seat forward to an uncomfortable position and the passenger front seat all the way forward so that my child rear facing child seat would fit like all this stuff. So I could just go golfing. Like, <laughs> and I know like, it's not the car I would choose. I and mean, people have different uh, needs for different cars, but it's just, I don't think that you should go looking for a, a compact crossover and assume you're getting more space than a sedan because you really aren't. Yeah, just don't go golfing. Problem solved. <laughs> you know, we just had I need to do something. We just had in that Buick um, Encore GX, and I was surprised, and I thought it was great that to find that it had the front passenger seat folds flat, which uh, so you could carry longer things. And I think we need to see some more innovation, maybe, in the packaging of some of these small vehicles, because after all, they're supposed to replace small cars. So that's what they keep telling me. Yeah. The only thing I wanted to say is I did a, I've done a lot of um, highway driving in the last uh, two weeks. It just seems to, you know, one thing you do see is an increased police presence. And I think that's because people seem to be ignoring the roads and manners even more so than normal. Uh, it seems to be this pandemic, since it has decreased traffic volume in many places, has really brought out the worst in a lot of drivers. They were probably bad drivers anyway, and now they're worst. You really have to keep your antenna up. And I'm it's not just speed, it's uh, lane changing, you name it. Yeah, I agree. I've noticed just an increase in, in just bad drivers, careless drivers. You know, I went out yesterday very briefly and you know, I was cut off twice. Yeah. People not paying attention, like they've been inside 
too long and now they're finally getting back on the road and they've just forgotten all the rules of the road really sorry about that my bad <laughs> i knew it i knew it <laughs> what do you say uh, <laughs> it was robinson who cut you off yeah he just didn't want you to let you know it all right everybody i think that sort of wraps up our voter week podcast this is number 235 i want to thank brian robinson greg carlos and stephanie hart thank you all for taking time uh, away today and uh, joining us uh, and just because we're not basically back at motor week headquarters i don't want to forget our normal audio engineer jim bigwood who's excuse me spent many years making us sound as well as uh, we do our podcast creator, of course, uh, creator is Bob Mixter. And our producer, as today, like most weeks, is Greg Carlos. Thank you, Greg, for pulling it all together. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Don't forget to check out Motor Week on public television stations around the country. We're also on the Motor Trend Network. Uh, you can live, uh, not live, but you can stream us uh, complete episodes on PBS Living. And by the way, if you haven't seen any of the details about our 40th anniversary season, we are bringing back the old Car of the Week segments, although this time we're trying to do uh, make some video in with the pictures. So go on to our social media sites and our motorweek.org site to get the details on that. Uh, if you've got a little bit of, if you're not camera shy, take a shot of yourself with your favorite vehicle and uh, show us what you've got and maybe you'll end up on the show and we've got a couple of goodies we need some more entries so yeah. far it's it's mostly just robinson shirtless with his mustang <laughs> i don't even want to yeah. go there that was before i went out and cut stephanie off but it's all good <laughs> come join and be part of the fun that is motor week thanks everybody put that keep, keep that back on thanks for being a part of motor week You've been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and RockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station. 